from the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, glaucoma, cataracts, and perioperative pressure. In glaucoma patients, it was uh, significantly higher, and we stimulated the number of spikes, and the amount of spike was uh, decreased by Timolol. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Lefkovich Verbin declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. Intraocular pressure can spike immediately following cataract extraction. Most of the time, these spikes are not clinically significant. Now, we know that under normal circumstances, IOP fluctuates more in patients with glaucoma than in normal patients. Is this group of patients, in whom perioperative pressure spikes are important, more susceptible to pressure spikes simply because they have glaucoma? Hani Levkovich-Verbin has just published results of her study investigating perioperative IOP in glaucoma patients, normals, and patients with exfoliation syndrome. She joins me today from Tel HaShomer, Israel. Hani, how does cataract extraction affect intraocular pressure? So, um, I think uh, it's, it's widely believed that cataract surgery may increase intraocular pressure, even in uh, normal patients and especially in uh, glaucoma patients, but this is, uh, but most studies were not uh, prospective, or they were only uh, retrospective, and most of them actually investigated uh, time points of uh, one day to few days after the surgery. So um, the pathophysiology is, um, is multifactorial maybe because first the cataract surgery induces some inflammation in the eye, which means a release of some debris and other cells that may, um, you know, obstruct the outflow and increase the pressure. This is one uh, cause. Uh, a second uh, cause may be uh, the use of this coelastic material that even though um, experienced surgeons uh, can remove it, Still, when they um, uh, inject the, the lens into the eye under uh, viscoelastic, the pressure may uh, increase because some of this material still uh, uh, stay in the eye, even uh, one day, two days after uh, the surgery. This study dealt largely with short-term pressure spikes after cataract surgery. From a clinical standpoint, how important are short-term pressure spikes? Okay, so it depends uh, what the patient that you treat. Because if these are um, a normal patients with normal optic disc, uh, the, the spike itself, let's say if it's less than 30 millimeter of mercury, 
may uh, pass without uh, any complication, although in some patients, especially if they have some uh, corneal problems, it may induce uh, corneal um, edema and reduce the, the visual acuity uh, shortly after the, the operation. So this is true for, for normal patients. Uh, uh, glaucoma patients are different population of patients. Here, for the glaucoma patients, of course, we, um, we are afraid that the, the spikes can uh, reduce the, the, or, or actually damage the optic nerve. Uh, now, if, if we are treating, if we are operating patients uh, that have uh, mild or moderate uh, glaucomatous damage, it may decrease the number of optic nerve uh, axons but it, it, it's not going to, um, to cause any significant effect on the visual field. If we are talking about severe uh, glaucomatous patients with severe damage to the optic nerve and uh, visual fields, here we should be uh, cautious about these uh, spikes because, you know, the, 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 the amount of axons that they have is, is very low and, and any, any further spikes may cause um, damage. Honey, what is the question that this study sought to answer? Okay, uh, two questions, uh, actually. First, uh, if we, uh, when, when we, are, we are dealing with glaucomatous patients, um, we, need, we need to be very uh, aware of these uh, spikes, and, but there was no um, uh, an evidence-based study which was prospective, randomized, uh, well controlled that actually told us that there is um, spikes. Also, we didn't know exactly when the spikes uh, occur. So one question was to, to, um, to find out when the spikes occur, if they occur at all in, in, in these uh, patients. And the second question was, uh, uh, what can we do for, to, to reduce the spike? Can I have you describe the design of the study? Okay, um, this study uh, is a prospective randomized double mass clinical trial uh, with uh, 122 patients. Uh, 50 of them were normalized, uh, I mean patients without glaucoma, um, and we had also a 33 patient with uh, glaucomatose damage that was mild or moderate, not severe and uh, 39 patients with exfoliation syndrome but uh, um, without glaucoma and without uh, ocular hypertension. And so all of these uh, um, uh, patients uh, uh, underwent uh, uneventful cataract surgery by two uh, surgeons. One of them was uh, myself. And the other one was uh, Danny Zakt, which, which is the uh, last author of this uh, paper. Now, our technique is a bit uh, different than what is used in the United States. We are using um, anterior maintainer, which means that um, most of the surgery, we don't use uh, viscoelastic at all. All other, um, all other procedures during the surgery were very similar. Uh, to what is done in uh, United States or West Europe. Honey, reading over your study, it, it's apparent to me that you do cataract surgery a bit differently from the way that I do it. 
Can I have you walk me through one of the cataract surgeries uh, that would have been representative for the patients in this study? Okay. So uh, first, uh, we, are, we are doing the uh, surgery under uh, drops, okay, uh, uh, lidocaine uh, gel without any sedation. And then uh, we are performing three uh, parts one for the anterior chamber maintainer and the other uh, one for the FECO, and uh, the third one for uh, removing the cortex. Uh, we prefer to do it uh, through a, 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 a tiny uh, paratendesis and not through the main uh, paratendesis or corneal cut, uh, the one that we are using for the FECO. So that's why there is a third one. But the FECO emulsification, you're performing through a, a paracentesis, so it's sleeveless by manual FECO? Or what, what, what's the size of the main surgical wound through which you're doing the FECO emulsification? Uh, 2.8. Oh, so it, it, it's, a, it's a regular size phaco wound? Yes. Oh, so go on, please. Okay. Uh, so during the surgery, we have a continuous uh, flow of uh, balanced salt solution. You, uh, by using the anterior chamber maintainer, we actually uh, keep the, the anterior chamber deep all the time. And um, so then we are doing the, the capsulorexis, of course, by, you know, uh, very regular uh, way, and then hydro dissection. And after that and before the FACO, we are injecting uh, viscoelastic just uh, in order to protect the cornea. And the injection is actually for, for a moment, and then we open the uh, anterior chamber again. Most of the uh, viscoelastic actually uh, go out, but we, we want to believe that some, some of these still um, there to protect the cornea. And uh, okay, so next is the, the FECO and then aspiration of the cortex and cleaning the capsular bag. Uh, next step is injecting the foldable lens uh, into the, uh, the capsular bag under um, uh, balanced salt solution, no, no viscoelastic, because the, the anterior chamber is deep, we don't need it, and it's very, it's very easy. Is the intraocular lens going through a cartridge? Yes. So then there's no concern of friction uh, while the lens is passing through the cartridge because you're not using any viscoelastic agent in, in the cartridge? Uh, no, not that we feel. I mean, uh, uh, we use, uh, let's say, in, in this, maybe some surgeon in Israel are putting some, I don't know, one or two drops of viscoelastic in the cartridge, but not in this study. We are not uh, afraid of any friction. Uh, we Usually we don't have any problems with that. Honey, what were your results? Okay, first, uh, we had two groups. One of, one of the uh, groups uh, received one drop of uh, Timolol Malat in, in, the, in the end of the surgery, only one drop. And uh, the other group uh, received no treatment. And then a mask ophthalmologist measured the pressure uh, actually uh, several times. The first time was between three to four hours after the surgery, second time was eight to 10 hours, and uh, third time was uh, uh, 20 to 24 hours. 
Uh, and then the last time was one week uh, postoperatively. And um, what we found actually is that the, the I'm talking now only about the mean uh, IOP intraocular pressure. So the mean IOP uh, for all patients, for all the glaucoma patients, was significantly higher than uh, the exfoliation group and the normal group. Uh, and the peak was at uh, between three to four hours after the surgery. Surgery, so, yeah, so this was very briefly after the surgery. And later on, the, the IOP uh, dec decreased until it was actually the mean was lower than uh, 20 uh, millimeter of mercury in uh, in one day. So um, the mean uh, intraocular pressure for the glaucoma group was. Uh, almost 27 millimeters of mercury at three hours postoperatively compared to about 20 millimeters of mercury in the exfoliation syndrome and uh, uh, 15 millimeters of mercury in the normal group. The normal group, uh, we, we didn't find any uh, IOP elevation in the normal group, no spikes. They actually, the IOP um, in all time points was um, in, in in normal range. This was different than other uh, reports in the literature and maybe it's because we are using the anterior chamber maintainer and we don't use any viscoelastic during surgery. I mean, besides the, 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 the one step before the FACO. I'm curious why you think the exfoliation syndrome patients had a, a post-operative pressure spike uh, particularly in, in light of the work done by Karim Damji in uh, Canada uh, showing a decline in postoperative pressure uh, after uh, cataract surgery in patients with exfoliation syndrome? Well, we know that patients with exfoliation may develop ocular hypertension and glaucoma because of the, this extracellular uh, material that um, may... Um, obstruct the outflow. And this, uh, uh, this, uh, the material in these patients came from the, from the lens. So I believe that during the surgery, this uh, exfoliative uh, material may um, um, actually uh, trigger the, 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 the aqueous uh, outflow um, obstruction which resulting in, in, in spikes in intraocular pressure. And uh, actually, um, Damji reported uh, very similar results. Uh, cataract surgery uh, may cause intraocular pressure elevation uh, one day after the operation which is a bit different uh, than what we did found because in our study, the pressure was uh, back to normal at one day. And then later on, we found that the pressure is uh, lowered after the cataract surgery, but this is totally different work because the long-term effect of cataract surgery is, of course, lowering intraocular pressure, and, and we are talking here about uh, only the first 24 hours. And, but in his work, he, he, he didn't um, measure pressure uh, early after the cataract surgery. So it, it, it's still possible that uh, three to four hours after surgery and eight to 10 uh, hours after surgery, the pressure in his patients 
could be uh, even higher than what he was uh, than what he found uh, one day postoperatively. Honey, why did you choose Timolol? Um, there were uh, two main reasons. One uh, is that uh, it acts very uh, early after uh, its application, about half an hour after uh, after we uh, give him to the patient, and then uh, its effect lasts uh, up to 24 hours. So it's an it's really a, a, a very, um, I mean, and its effect is, is usually very good and it's well tolerated by the patient and it, its cost is very uh, low. So for one time administration, it, 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 we thought it, it's a very uh, good uh, choice. But of course, um, we cannot uh, rule out that other hypertensive drops may act uh, similarly or even uh, better than uh, thymolol, like iopidine, uh, uh, maybe the prostaglandins and others. Having learned what you've learned from this study, what do you do in your own practice? Do you give timolol to all patients having cataract surgery? Well, uh, no, not to all patients. I give uh, Timolol uh, to patients with exfoliation syndrome and to patients with uh, glaucoma. I don't give uh, Timolol to uh, normal patients, to patients with normal eyes, um, because we definitely uh, um, showed that in normal eyes there, there is no uh, IOP elevation. Um, and in glaucoma patient, it was uh, significantly higher, and with Timolol, the number of spikes and the, the uh, amount of spike was uh, decreased by Timolol. Now, for the exfoliation uh, syndrome, uh, usually uh, their spikes was um, to a lesser degree compared to the glaucomatous patients, but it was still okay. So I prefer to give uh, Timolol also to patients with exfoliation. Honey, is there anything that you'd like to add? What I, what I want to add is that uh, many times in the clinic we, we are wondering uh, uh, what to do to a patient with, which is a well-controlled uh, glaucomatous patient with topical treatment and um, he has uh, severe glaucomatous damage. And... Um, at least in Israel, we we don't we are not very uh, we are not aggressive in doing surgeries, and so sometimes if the if the patient is well controlled, and um, we, we don't really uh, any in his visual fields are stable, many times we prefer to do only cataract surgery, not combined surgery. But now that I know that they uh, they can. Um, uh, produce spikes uh, even uh, higher than uh, 30% millimeter of mercury, I do a, a more combined surgery, especially to patients with uh, uh, very severe um, advanced glaucoma, those damage. So it changed my uh, attitude to these patients <laughs> a bit. Honey, thank you so much. You're welcome. Honey Levkovich Verbin is director of the Sam Rothberg Ophthalmic Molecular Biology Lab and the Glaucoma Service at the Goldschlager Eye Institute at the Sheba Medical Center at Tel Aviv University in Tel HaShomer, Israel. Her paper, Intraocular Pressure Elevation Within the First 24 Hours After Cataract Surgery in Patients with Glaucoma or Exfoliation Syndrome, is in press in ophthalmology. 
ask questions of Dr. Lefkovich Verbin or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype JYoungMD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the new media project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.